After two weeks in the void, we're here to talk some celluloid. This is Free Reeling It, episode 10. He is Jesse. Hello. And you are. <laughs> Matthew. <laughs> like, oh, is, is he going to continue? Failed, failed attempt. No, it's okay. Um, uh, you believe we've hit 10 episodes? Two whole hands. Actually, you know what? I can. If, we're, if in, we're mutated, you can count the zero episode. That makes 11 figures. How do you know I don't have 11 fingers? I, I technically <laughs> I don't. I don't think I've seen both of your hands in the same frame. That's true. Um, but, uh, but yes, it's been, it's been 10 episodes. And, and I honestly, I like before, before starting this show, you and I had never really talked uh, outside of like DMs on discord, maybe Twitter. Yeah. And, uh, and, I sort of knew once we did our top tens, I knew we were going to go uh, way more than 10. Uh, we're going to go the distance here. I mean, you know, I, if I, if I can graduate x-ray school based on spite, uh, which is a funny story that I won't regale here, but uh, someday uh, I'm pretty sure we can do something fun like talking about movies uh forever so <laughs> so i mean so, you're hoping yeah. one day that we both have enough free time that we can make this a weekly show yeah that's, really, that's the only reason it's bi-weekly is that I, just, I i say this as i watch so many movies but like i don't have time to always be watching movies some weekends yeah. are better than others sure and and yeah it's it will see and the thing is like um uh my wife and i's tastes uh, as well, my wife and I's taste like they don't really they diverge quite a bit, but also our needs, mm-hmm. like in terms of like engaging with a film or or TV or or just any kind of medium, uh, they are they are vastly different as well. Um, and you know that's just people are people, you know, and, that, and that's just how that's just how that works. So I wish I could watch more movies than I do, but if I did, I would ignore her, and I don't want to ignore her because she's awesome. So, so yeah, and oh, actually, before we get going, um, yeah. So on the I because uh, we're two weeks behind, and or because we because our we are we kind of have a we have episodes in the can and uh, we just released the uh, grace episode. I actually want to uh, apologize because uh, on the grace episode, I referred to Jackson from abnormal mapping as a, he, and I, I want to apologize for doing that because I know they are non-binary binary and I slipped. So my bad to anybody that may notice that, uh, nobody has pointed it out to me, but I saw it and I want to hold myself accountable. Uh, that is my fault. And I apologize. I, it's always good to correct yourself. Cause like, I know on the white comics when Grant Morrison, uh, uh, went from he, him to they, uh, we did an episode, uh, not too long after where the guest and me kept on messing up and saying he because, just because it was so new and so it's always good to come back and apologize to that kind of stuff because yeah sometimes it just slips and you just gotta own it sure and yeah and and having yeah i, I just I, as a healthcare provider i kind of have to i ha- i have to be aware and and be able to change on a dime and for people i follow and respect and will mention i should at least do, i should at least do the same courtesy and that time i i slipped and i apologize uh so jackson if you ever hear this show my bad uh and thank you for the great gundam project uh and also, come, come on come on the show Talk about the I would, oh man oh man if jackson or m or anybody actually anybody else from abnormal mapping because i know grace either has or had a show on their network. Uh, but if, if anybody from abnormal mapping, I, I would be, I would be super giddy. <laughs> so, so yes, uh, maybe the Eva movies, who knows? Um, anyway, so this is free reeling it. We're episode 10. Jesse. Yes. You and I came to a consensus yes. on our, on our last episode to talk about 
Throne of Blood by Akira Kurosawa. Yes. And uh, to ask it in the most simple way possible, why? Because uh, I, I mentioned Macbeth, the the um, Michael Fassbender Macbeth, which is supposed to be like a not I don't know if like historically accurate is the right word, but like regionally accurate. Like it takes place in like the air, like the area it's supposed to take place, and everything's happening the way it's supposed to happen. Oh, from, okay. From what I understand, is like it's the first time, at least in a long time, that a high class movie had been made of Macbeth that was as accurate as it could be to it's like i think it's scotland so like scottish mm-hmm. heritage and like the way it's supposed to be done and like it's heavy accented like super heavy scottish so like when i tried to watch it before and i still have not gotten to watch it i had to put on subtitles because i just could not understand what they were saying um, okay so that's the reason why i wanted to and then i think you heard Macbeth, and you're like but wait a second throne of blood and i'm yes. like well that is on the list of movies i want to watch Right. Well, uh, now, now I I have not seen uh, the Michael Fassbender Macbeth, but I have seen a lot of Macbeth. And now, granted, I've not read the play since high school. Uh, this is my favorite Macbeth, like by yeah, we, some distance. We were talking about before how there was a Orson Welles Macbeth before this, and you don't like that one. But I did find it super fascinating that mm-hmm. this movie was supposed to come out around the same time as that one, or at least start production around the same time that one was. And I yes. guess as soon as Kurosawa found out that Orson Welles was doing Macbeth, he's like, I can wait. <laughs> yeah. I can wait to do one. And I guess he changed the ending because of that one, but I don't know what he changed it from. Uh, and you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'm good with not knowing that original ending because the ending to this one is... Whew. it's it's some of the best final images of, uh, of a film that that i've that i or maybe not the best definitely some of my favorite final images to a film uh that i've seen yeah the, the but, final the final sequence and like as we always do we'll just jump around we're not gonna really yes. go through the whole it's Macbeth, you know Macbeth. um yes i mean if you spoiler don't, <laughs> alert for like a 400 year old play yeah i would say if you don't know Macbeth, you've seen Macbeth. even if you didn't know you've seen Macbeth. it's yes. a very it's a very simple hero's journey type of thing not even really hero's journey just like uh a guy listens to a witch and guess what it turns out bad um yeah. but uh yeah the ending where he is I mean, this is Toshiro to, to Mifune like doing the best like facial acting I've seen in a very long time in some ways where mm-hmm. you get you get him at the end like being a general that's trying to hold on to the power that he stole. Mm-hmm. Like he could have just waited until this man died. The man was old. Yes. Uh, and yes, there was a son, but you, you know, things happen. Um, yes. But so he's trying to hold on to this power that he stole and he's now murdered to keep in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's losing his wife to insanity. He lost his son to stillbirth. And now all of the people that he's wronged, like ancestors are not ancestors, uh, wrongs. Uh, what's the opposite of ancestors? Uh, descendants. Descendants. That's what I'm looking for. Descendants are now coming to, to face him because you got the the son of the general that he killed at the beginning, and then mm-hmm. the son of his best friend, and then is the general that he killed's advisor. They're all coming to kill him. Um, yes. And and he says at the end, like, "Hey, don't worry about it. The witch told me if the if the the woods move, that's when I'll lose. How are the woods are going to move?" And ingeniously, they were using the the they cut down the trees to use it as cover and so they thought the woods were moving and so you get mm-hmm. to see the him grow in panic as the like day goes on and the night goes on to when he finally sees the trees just full-blown panic in his face yes sees that there's panic in his men tries to calm them down they start shooting arrows at him because that's i mean that's how it goes like if we kill him and just give him their his head they'll just leave us alone Yep. And so you see the panic as all the arrows start going after him and like from what i understand those were real arrows mostly being shot at him mm-hmm and so, like, I think it's genuine panic of like they're shooting arrows at me. Yes. Why are and, we playing with live ammo? <laughs> yeah, and like I, I, I made my dad sit down and watch the last twenty minutes with me. And so, when we were watching it, he sees this. He's like, "Oh, it's really impressive." And then the arrow hits uh, Mufuni's neck, and he goes, "Whoa!" Yeah. 
that was like that he's like that is like like the way they shot the way the arrow went through and like you could tell it's a fake arrow afterwards but like as soon as it goes through it was such a a perfect shot and then his demon-like rage to, to fight back now after he's he knows he's dead yeah but he wants to fight back all of a sudden Yes. And so he, he walks down and pulls out his sword and then just dies. But the, the rage, like demon look in his face at the end is so, so, so good. Yes. That should be our cover it, photo for the week this episode comes out. Is that face? I mean, I'm I, I've I've already I'm already ahead of you. <laughs> I'm already ahead of you on that one. Um and, and as far as I'm concerned, like I know it's like the climax of the film. I won't call it a spoiler. <laughs> mainly because uh if you don't know Macbeth that's that's kind of unfortunate um hey, again it's hard to talk around spoilers movies that are this old it's just like true it, it like I feel like anybody that's watched listening to us has seen this movie because a lot of my friends that are yeah. film buffs have already seen this movie yeah I mean this movie's 64 years old right? it's a tight <laughs> 150 I think too yes Hour 49. It, did you watch it on Criterion? Yes, I did. Is I watched this movie that, twice. Is it weird to you that they didn't subtitle everything? Uh no. Um and when you're saying they didn't subtitle everything, like what are you referring to? Well, it, it's not like super important stuff they didn't subtitle. They, they didn't subtitle like certain like words that like if they repeated words, they didn't subtitle that. There's like the way he's, he's yelling at the ghost. They, yes. they, he says one phrase about like six times and they only show it once and then it goes away and then he just keeps mm-hmm. on saying it and they just don't ever show it again which is fine yeah and there's well I, I remember i remember watching it this time uh go, being like oh they didn't subtitle the yes yeah, yeah they didn't subtitle like yeses and nos and kind of like things that you can get with context but they mm-hmm. aren't like exactly they're not english words so like you're like okay, I kind of get what's happening here. Like sometimes I think they'll say like honorifics that they just don't subtitle as like sir, miss or something. So you're like, oh, I guess they're just addressing him. Like that's what they mean, yes. right? Um, there's a scene with the old man dancing and basically doing like the King David's prophet talking to him after he killed that man, which I just realized that's Macbeth. Mm-hmm. Anyways, anyways um, no stories original. Um it is where the guy's dancing though and singing the song about basically being guilty. There's a small section in there where he's yelling at people and like yelling at the ghosts and stuff, and they don't subtitle that at all. And I'm just like, okay, I guess I'm just supposed to know he's angry here. Yeah. And again, these are old subtitles, probably. So like maybe it's just the way these were subtitled then. Like they're uh, depending on the movie, like I've been on like HBO Max and stuff, and like it's different font completely because it's just old movie subtitles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the original, I, I think I saw this uh, before it was released on Criterion. I saw I saw it on VHS and the subtitles, I remember from that version being even more spare. And, um, and while at, at that time, I was not really super aware of like localization as a concept or a process. So I was like, wow, they're just kind of, they're just kind of being lazy here. <laughs> but, yeah. but then I learned, I'm like, oh, they're probably, they're, this was probably uh, from like, it could have been from theatrical, uh, a theatrical localization, or it could have been added later. And all that stuff is dependent on the company putting it out. And um, the Criterion DVD uh, is the same as it is on the on the Criterion channel. Uh, I did check, and um, the what I've noticed in my time watching both, well, films of Kurosawa's as well as just um, Asian cinema on a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some. Scattershot consistency, and I don't think I don't think their consistency is bad. I think they make the choice based on the film, yeah, yeah. rather than just sort of going, "eh, we probably we probably don't need this." And I think with this particular film, uh, it's still way different than most of Kurosawa's work to me. 
and I and I think the the choices that Kurosawa makes here, like there's 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 way less dialogue in than in many Kurosawa films. It seems like to me, it seems like he uses imagery here more than dialogue, and I think that idea plays into uh, the sparseness of the of, of the subtitles. Yeah, I, I think that's the the I guess like the, I think the the best thing about Kurosawa movies in general, like the ones I've seen, is mm-hmm. so much of his action. And I'm not even talking about samurai movies. I'm talking about like just like uh, I think about Stray Dog um, a lot when I think about Kurosawa. I don't know if you've seen mm-hmm. that. Um, oh yeah, Stray Dog rules. Yeah, where a lot of the action and a lot of the story is just in the way he films mm-hmm. and i think he's one of the best directors to do that um and so like you like kurosawa could have made silent films easy if you wanted to sure uh, he probably had i don't know i don't know how, how old his uh, film history no goes. he he i think he was fully in the sound era but i just think like that's why i like don't have blood so much too is it moves so well like even when i didn't have the subtitles for everything you just knew you just kind of picked it up because you could see what was happening and and yeah as you said there's a lot there's a lot of like silence and like quiet moments in this movie mm-hmm. uh, where no one's talking they're just kind of moving around each other like um when he kills the general which time <laughs> the first the first the, like the the main general the one he gets the power okay I, I, I say general just because i don't know the actual like rankings in my head um well what's the master of the castle okay now, now i know who you're talking about yeah when she, when his wife tells him to do it and how so he goes and does it it's just it's focused on the wife and you're like you're waiting for him to show back up and he shows back up with the spear full of blood and you're like ah so he did the action you don't have to see him do the action Mm -hmm. you can just see his reaction from doing it and it's just as good as seeing it happen yes well and yeah and i I think and for some reason i didn't remember that um i didn't remember it i didn't remember it that way when i when i watched it this time and you just see like and the way i think the way mifune acts that scene is is amazing as well because even even then like you can almost see the darkness beginning to envelop him and because he's not really saying anything he's just sort of emoting all of that the way he the way his face just changes Mm -hmm. in that brief little scene up until his wife grabs the spear from his hand uh because by the time she grabs the spear it's it's basically over for for his character and it's uh man mifune was such a good actor (laughs) yeah like it's wild to me that he uh he did uh gosh i keep on losing my words today but he did uh he did a, a couple american movies too near near like the 80s uh who are kurosawa no, no, um, Funi. Uh, oh, he did, a, yeah. he, did a, he did a Western where he played a samurai, and I really want to watch that. <laughs> even though, even though I'm pretty sure it's bad, I just, I just want to see it. Yeah, I, I actually did not know that Mifune did American films. Yeah, all. it's, it's a movie. Let me see what's called real fast. It's a movie that has Charles Bronson as like the Western guy, and Mifune plays a a, a, a samurai who ends up some for some reason in America. Huh. Uh, let me see. What, uh, I don't know if I can find it. Let me see. I feel like it has a very American name, but I could be mistaken. Wish it had pictures of all the names of the movies he was in. <laughs> um, Is it the Bushido? I don't think it's the Bushido blade. See, no, it's not Bushido, but he was in that. Now this, this is just riveting for uh, yes, riveting for, dead air. That's okay though. Uh, we're trying, we're we're trying to be thorough. Oh, it looks like 
his last role was Deep River in 1995. Yeah, like right before he passed away. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do Google. Uh, yeah. Toshira. Oh, the challenge was by John Frankenheimer. Red Sun. That's what it's called. So it's Charles Bronson, Alan Delon. I remember it was like a, it was a, a French guy in it too. Um, oh, really? Yeah. And <laughs> okay. So I, I guess mean, we have to watch this for we probably so should. Yeah. I mean, at least at least to talk about it. Maybe not do a full show. Let but me, let me drop or maybe the, watch it and we'll say like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll dedicate a show to this. But we drop the poster real fast. Dude, the poster. Oh, the poster is the poster is live action He Man with a katana. Yeah, the poster is the most uh, '70s thing you can think of. When you yeah, see it's it. like it's, it's basically it's it's basically like a few notches shy of being Zardoz. I mean, you can rent it for two dollars. Ooh. Um. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I, I think that'd be fun to talk about another yeah. day. I'm sorry for such a derail, but I'm just thinking like how versatile Mafuni was in everything he ever did. Um, yes. I mean, the Samurai movies are iconic, but. All, all the straightforward stuff I've seen him do is so so much fun. Oh yeah, like um, I mean, Stray Dog, High and Low. Um, um I think I don't one. think he was in the Lower Depths. I don't. The think Wedding Ring that. is very good. Um, yes. There's another one though that he did. Snow Trail, the first movie with Kurosawa, I believe. Oh um, yeah, in his first movie, he's very <laughs> good as uh, a robber in that movie, and. Um, it's it's a little hard to watch because the film is very old. Mm-hmm. Um, just like not like hard to watch is like saying, oh, it's boring. It's hard to watch because the film is super grainy. Like it's sure. just it's an old restoration. They did the best they could, but I think um, it's definitely worth checking out. Yes, I... he looks very very handsome in that movie. You know, um, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll say this. Mufune was just a you you see him out of character and just like man what a del- what a what a delightfully handsome man yeah he seems like someone that would be like super chill and but also have like a straight whiskey mm-hmm. yeah that's 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 my kind of dude let's hang out when when i get to the afterlife Mufune, let's hang out um so what let's, let's talk about our favorite parts of the movie because i think okay. i think we, we've gone on enough tangents and we should probably get back to the movie but yes. i also don't think there's much to say other than like what we liked a lot about the movie because it's Macbeth. like if if it wasn't a story that everybody kind of knows or is familiar with or even us if we weren't familiar with it like mm-hmm. there's no really reason to break down much of the story because i don't think i don't think Kurosawa's version of it adds anything to Macbeth. Um, no. It just does it very well, which is not a problem. I think adaptations rarely add anything to the thing that they're adapting, especially if it's something so famous. But right. it's such a well-done adaptation that I think it's just fun to talk about our favorite parts of it. Sure. I mean, you could all, you could probably make the make the argument that uh, most adaptations take away from what they're adapting in a lot of ways. But uh, so Jesse, let's lead, lead us off. What was your what was your favorite? I think my favorite, what's the first thing you want to talk about? I think my favorite part is the way um, Kurosawa does um, angles in this movie, if that makes sense. Yes. So there's a lot of scenes on horseback and a lot of scenes of them running around. And Kurosawa doesn't do the normal director thing, especially the normal director at this time. If you look at Westerns or dramas and stuff like that where the camera stays really, it makes sure to keep the characters in focus in the middle of the frame almost always, I feel like, at, at, during this time. Cameras mm-hmm. very rarely moved or changed angles in the middle of a scene. Um, where Kurosawa in this is changing the angle and, and camera placement, like, every five seconds, it feels like. Um, and there's a like, scene that, like, stuck in my head when I was watching it, where where uh, Mifune's character and his, his best friend, the one he eventually uh, murders, um, mm-hmm. Are riding on the horseback to stop the son of the the castle leader uh before he got to the castle to say oh no he's he's like watch out he's the traitor uh type yeah. of thing. 
and they're on horseback and he's cutting between these two these two parties on horseback but he's also cutting between filming them in the woods and filming in front of them and filming behind them so you can feel momentum through each camera angle and i and i and i don't know it was it's something that really stuck into my brain yes uh, on, on that on that point when he used uh, a camera move in a scene rather than a cut uh I th- I think I think Kurosawa. I mean, not, I mean, sure that that I that choice is deliberate, mm-hmm. but it's one of those it's one of those few times that I mean, because when I first watched this, I was not as familiar with the process of making films as I am now, and and the type of uh, ideas behind choices like that. But when I first saw that, and I saw the camera spin around to, like, especially in that first spirit encounter, yeah because that's where and all of a sudden i knew what had happened like Mm -hmm. i it was it was like perfect communication it's like yes i am telling you something here's what i am telling you and it's like it's a perfectly telegraphed message without being without being handholdy or leady or 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 didactic in any sort of way yeah And, and i think it's one of those things where if curacao was in like modern times uh, the camera would have been moving a lot more. I think like, it would have been a camera on a rig. Like that's what mm-hmm. he, I feel like he wanted for this movie, but you don't have rigs. And it was before really people were make shifting rigs. It felt like, so yeah. he had to place it in different places to make that movement the way he wanted. It had a swivel a lot to make the movement that he needed where mm-hmm. a rig would have just fixed all of his problems. Yes. Um, talking about the ghosts. Um, when Mufuni's character talks to the ghost the last time and it keeps on switching uh different mm-hmm. bodies and stuff yep that was a lot of fun that was trippy that was that was trippy even after seeing it. yeah <laughs> i'm like man i forgot how i forgot how disorienting just a conversation could be and, and um, the way uh, smoke and smog is used in this movie makes me like wonder because it's it's a movie that isn't special effect heavy except for a few scenes and so mm-hmm. they're pl- they're filming on locations these aren't backdrops these aren't hollywood sets yeah so how do you create the fog like you need like that fog at the last scene like that had to be stock footage or something from like the mountainside because it was so well done that i cannot see them putting out that much fog in a natural environment without it being natural yeah i think i think that's probably one of those they probably had a, a, a second team going for B-roll and and Kurosawa probably said just follow the fog um, but dovetailing on that one of my favorite one of my favorite uses is the fog as well uh, especially with, after the first spirit encounter where uh, uh, Mifune's character Washizu and uh, his buddy Miki are just trying to find their way they're trying to find their way to their destination mm-hmm. and you just see them going in and out of focus in fog turning left turning right kind of being confused despite knowing the terrain as well as they do and then they just decide to have a very awkward rest and a conversation <laughs> and and uh it def- it's definitely uh uh a very well done scene in my opinion but the use of that fog is was something i actually rewound like multiple times just to look at it reminded me of like listening to post rock in a lot of ways yeah um just like the the disorientation of all of it i thought it was very well done is there a, a supporting actor in the movie that you really appreciated i mean i'm always happy to see takashi shimura anywhere um, mm-hmm. He was he was Noriyasu. Um, I do like uh, Hiroshi Tachikawa a lot, but uh, I mean, when Mifune is basically chewing all the scenery, it, it's really hard for <laughs> for a supporting character to get in edgewise in a lot of ways. Yeah, uh, but I think in terms of the scenes that they have together, I I like the way Akira Kubo as Mickey 
uh, basically squares up and and uh, squares up and and he doesn't really out act Mifune because not really not really what it's about but he he basically every every scene that where they have to go whether where they have to come up towards each other he's there every time and it, it's almost like maybe maybe mifune is kind of raising everybody around him um but uh but kubo and uh and shimura i'm always happy to see so yeah and i, I feel like I yeah. feel like I've seen Isuzu Yamada in other films. Um, that's Mifune's uh, wife. But... Well, she was in Yojimbo. Okay. And the, but I was just like, I don't know what it is about this particular film, but even before you, before I realized who she was watching it this time, I'm like, man, I hate this woman already. <laughs> she, she's pretty evil and like she plays evil for because she's so reserved in the evil mm-hmm. that's i think why it works i don't think it would have worked if she wasn't so just like conscious about what she was doing the whole time yeah yeah um i also i really i really like uh minoru uh Hiyak- Kiyaki, I probably pronounced that wrong. Kiyaki, who played uh, Miki, uh, myself. Uh, I you just think uh, that's. I think that's Miki's son. Oh, I, I thought is that Miki's son? I thought that was actually Miki because he's credited after. I thought Miki's son was a uh, Akira Kubo. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Huh? He, he's younger. Pretty sure. Pretty I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Miki. I'm pretty sure Yoshiaki Miki is the son. But you know what? Let's let's just not. Let's just not. you can. You're but you are right. Minoru is is very good. I gotta get the bottom. Of this. I gotta know. Hmm? I gotta know. Yeah, Yoshiaki Miki is his friend. Yeah, that's his friend. The uh, Kirikubo is a uh, Yoshiaru Miki, which is uh, the son. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey. To be I, fair. I will. I will. I will. I. I. I will raise my hand and admit, and admit defeat. That's to be cool. Fair, Akira Kubo is great though because he's in Godzilla: Destroy All Monsters, and that's all that matters. Yes. Yes. Um. But yeah. I. Overall, I think it's a tight movie. It doesn't do anything new when it comes to the story, but I don't think that matters. That's that's really my point. Is I think that the delivery method is what's fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, the, when when a cover version just does the just just does the song well, yeah, it's totally fine. And so you know what? I'm realizing this. I have to take back everything I said because I was saying it about the wrong person. No, I think I think so, I think now that the clarification's I'm, there, that yeah, people will so, realize who you're talking about. Yes, I'm talking about Minoru uh, Chiaki, not Akira Kubo. But to <laughs> but, be fair, Akira Kubo plays a really good vengeful son. Yes, um, and plays a really and, and plays a really good part where he's talking to his dad, saying, "Hey, don't don't put me up as like the replacement because he might kill us if we do this." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turns out he was right. Turns out, turns out, child child knew what he was doing. Um, um, so yeah. Before before we move on, my my absolute favorite scene in this film is the first encounter with the spirit. Yeah, it's a good scene not so much for like how it's acted or or what is said but it's how it's shot mm-hmm. because for being a for being a black and white film where it's kind of it's shot on location uh it's not you know on a sound stage the way that they separate the the way that they light these scenes to to create a a clear division of like I, I say realm, but that's because I'm not really. Let me just go with this. You see, uh, you see, Washizu and Mickey in perfect photograph, whereas the spirit is almost overlit to a point where it looks, even though even though a real person is acting, they don't look like they're there. 
Yeah. Or they look like they could be see-through in, in, in that environment. And it is such a, it's one of my, it's, this, that scene haunted me just. It's more haunting than the follow-up ghost scene, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the difference is, I think the difference is, um, uh Miki and Washizu have not been corrupted by ambition yet. Because mm-hmm. even the, even when the spirit is basically prophesizing towards them, they're like, nah, we don't we that's not our castle. That's that's this guy's and that's yeah. and the 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 forest castle belongs to the big guy. I'm not the big guy. You're talking to the wrong person. In fact, I think you're a traitor. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and yeah that scene is Oh, it's so good. I just okay, maybe I missed it in the movie, but it's called Spider's Web Castle. Mm-hmm. Talk about foreshadowing. Right. Um, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I guess like like sometimes names just like slip out of my brain because uh that's just the way my brain works. I can read a book and be in the middle of the book and not remember any of the characters' names just because names are so hard to remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, okay. I mean, well, I mean and as we were talking you know before the show it's kind of hard just doing a day job (laughs) yeah it's very true uh and i mean like usually there are a lot of times where i try and watch uh the movies we talk about twice Mm -hmm. because i will i will i will watch it like right after we decide we're going to do it in just a sheer fit of excitement but then like the two weeks goes by and i'm like wait a minute yeah i should start doing that i usually watch it like within the week that we're going to record but maybe i should watch it twice because that probably help a bit i uh, i mean do it if you have time yeah that's, <laughs> that's also true don't 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 hurt yourself <laughs> like find your find your own rhythm because uh i don't want either of us to get burned out doing this speaking of uh if we have time what have you been watching uh boy Okay, uh, so I'm watching the Evangelion rebuild films since all four of them are out. And speaking of remembering things, uh, I the more I watch these, I'm, I realize I barely remember Evangelion, the show, and so I listened to, I watched the first two and then I listened to uh, the Waypoint radio that they did about the first two films recently. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to be, to, for it to be clarified that this was not just, it, it, this isn't the Gundam movies. <laughs> this isn't where they're just throwing everything from a series into you know, a, a, a series of films. Like, it's very different uh, in a way that while I've always, well, well, when I originally watched Evangelion in the 90s, either 90, I, I know I watched it before I moved to Philly, um, which was in 2003. So it might've been the 90s. It might've been like 2000, 2001. Um, but I watched it then and I liked it then. And then when it when Evangelion came to Netflix, I watched it again. But I I'd still to this day have never watched End of Evangelion. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because anybody that's ever talked to me about End of Evangelion, they said just just avoid it. Just avoid it because it's because it because it's it's if you like Evangelion, it'll ruin it for you. And I'm like, okay. But then when I watched uh, the series, I was like, maybe I should watch it. I just never got around to it. So anyway, I'm watching, I've watched the first three of the four Evangelion Rebuild films. And I will say this, the more Evangelion I watch, it seems like the less I understand it. That makes sense. But also, I've, I'm, I'm okay in that confusion. Mm-hmm. Um. It's like when I listen to uh, classical or or uh, modern ambient music or just very 
I'll say highbrow, but it's just the 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 music that most of the general public will consider hard to listen to. I really love that stuff. Not necessarily because I understand it from a theoretical standpoint or uh, or um, or an educational standpoint, but I usually I usually find a find a groove with it and just go rather than trying to overanalyze. And with Evangelion, especially these, it seems to be turning on dimes a lot sharper. And this Mm -hmm. is just to me than the show did, as well as just being an outstanding thing to look at. Like these films just look friggin' good. Yeah, the animation Uh, in them is from what I've seen is just outstanding. And I, I do like that. I do like that they've kept the they've kept the idea of framing shots uh, as different and odd as Evangelion felt originally to me. Because the one thing that drew me to it was like, wow, this is they're framing this different than I'm used to than I'm used to anime doing that. Because like, I hadn't watched a ton of anime when I first saw it. I'd watched like a lot of Dragon Ball Z, uh, Gundam Wing, some Ranma, some Bubblegum Prices, some Robotech. Um, so a lot of that, like Evangelion was just so much different. Uh, but these films are, they're doing something. And one day I hope to know what they're doing. <laughs> Until, until, until well yeah i mean i i've, I've got that part <laughs> that i'm that i'm actually no stranger to but uh until then happy just vibing uh and then speaking of robo are you only two in i've st- i've watched the i've watched the third oh so you only have one left yeah i only have one left um speaking of robotech that is all on funimation and i started watching that again while i've seen robotech several times i kind i i'm of the mind where i now that robo the people who deal with robotech and macross have kind of settled their differences i want to watch i want someone to release macross in the west so i can finally learn what the differences are because I've never known. I've always just I, I've always just known it as Robotech, mm-hmm. and uh, and I, I would love to watch like the original Super Dimension Fortress Macross. Uh, I'd love to watch the other things that they pulled into that to create Robotech in the West. Do you ever do you ever watch the toys that made us? No. Um. I want to say it's the Transformers episode. It's just super fascinating because, like, Robotech's one of those things I think is an offshoot of what this is. But it, it, when I just recommend you watch that show, it's a good documentary series. But uh, they're, they're the Transformers episodes, they talk about how they pulled from so many different franchises in Japan to make mm-hmm. the Transformers. Right. So, like, it's just not like if you go to Japan, like, if you, if you just look at like the history of the toys, they're not from mm-hmm. one franchise over in Japan. They're from like multiple franchises for like the first wave of Transformers. I mean, now Transformers are their own thing, but like, right. just knowing that and like knowing like the history of Robotech and like the history of like a lot of anime like that, like a thing mm-hmm. about Voltron and stuff, it's just sure. like, it's just kind of bonkers how much we just piece together stuff. It's like, ah, we'll figure it out post. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bonkers, but then you're also like, man, why couldn't we just i mean i get it like they're worried about like at that at that point in time like 80s they were worried about how it would how it would probably be received mm-hmm. from a cultural standpoint so like you, because whatever short-sighted reasons uh like i would love to, and in fact, now I'm gonna to have to watch that. So I so our next episode, I will probably talk about the toys that made us. It's good, it's a good time. And they have a spinoff called The Movies That Made Us, and that has two seasons also. Oh, Jesse just handing out homework. All right. It's not homework. It's weird <laughs> though kidding, with the I'm movie kidding. the movies that made us, like half of them end with like, and this person that we made the movie with passed away, and it's very sad. Oh god. Just because I just realized how old a lot of these people are. So it's like I think there's a death, there's a death note. 
there's a diehard one at the end of like Alan Rickman passed away in like 2017 or whatever. And now all of us are very sad. I'm like, when's the last time you all talked to Alan Rickman? Right. Anyways. Well, I mean, it sucks that, I mean, Alan Ripken or Ripken, no, Rickman has, it was one of those things when I revisited Die Hard Mm -hmm. in the early 2000s and at that point, I'm like, oh man, that's Alan Rickman. And I realized how much I had seen him, how many films I had seen him. I'm like, wow, he's been in a lot. I just. No, I would never have pieced together that he was in Die Hard until I had done it at that point in time. Uh, and then when he did pass, like I was like, man, everybody's remembering him for the wrong things. It's like he was so he was better that he was he did better work. I mean, I'm, I don't know where you stand on Harry Potter as your experience with it, but uh, I mean, you and I do agree. I think on J.K. Rowling, like she can kind of suck an egg as far as I'm concerned. Um, but his he did way better acting than Professor Snape, in my opinion. He did way better acting than Hans Gruber, in my opinion. <laughs> but everyone wants to talk about the Potter, um, except me. Yeah. Uh, did you watch anything else in these last two weeks? No, just shredding my brain cells with Evangelion which stinks. Um, I started, actually, I will say this. I did start watching After Hours by Martin Scorsese. Well, we talked about it briefly. I'm probably going to watch it. So, and we'll, so we'll probably talk about it more next time. Yeah, uh, and I wanted to, I, I actually pitched it just doing an episode on it. So, uh, But we went it with another direction. We did. We did. I mean, because we, because you, brought, you, brought to, you brought to my attention what time of year it is. Before we go there, Jesse, you've watched a lot. Yeah, I, I spent like a Saturday watching movies the other, like two weeks ago. Um, oh, that's so, the dream. So I, I was like, I was thinking to myself, I watched, what, what was I watching? I don't think I was watching anything. I think I was just thinking about it. Oh, no, no, no. I was, uh, I was watching a K-drama or something like, of the sort that had the dad from Parasite in it. Okay. Uh, and it made me think, it was like, you know, I've seen, uh, what was it? At that point, I'm like, I've seen like two of Bong Joon-ho's movies, like, but he doesn't have that many directorial movies. So what if I watch the rest of them? Because I did a bit of digging and all of them are streaming. If you have um, any, of the, any of the big, like three streaming platforms, if you just need two of them to watch all these movies. They might not be there now, but they were at the, at the moment. So mm-hmm. I watched Okja, which was on Netflix. Um, I watched Barking Dogs Never Bite, uh, Mother and the Host. Those are the 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 uh, the four I was missing. Okay. Barking Dogs Never Bite is his first movie. It's it's very much like the Bong Joon Ho style of writing, but the mm-hmm. story is so kind of goofy that it's kind of hard to take any of it seriously. So the premise of it, real fast, I'm not going to go into deep, deep detail on any of these, um, is that this man is tired of this dog barking in his apartment complex, so he kills the dog. But then people Oh, it's, it's basically for- a Seinfeld episode. Okay. Yeah, basically. So people start looking for the dog, and then another dog shows up, and he kills that one, and someone sees him kill that one. So it's like this interconnected of people just trying to stop this guy from killing dogs. Um, and they made it very, very clear at the beginning of the movie that no animal was actually hurt in this movie, because there's a lot of, like, upsetting dog death <laughs> sure um but what's funny is okja kind of pairs with that because okja is about uh a, a mutated pig that like uh, people who raised it like love it and then it tries to get slaughtered by this corporation and like again bongchu very much is not pull punches when it comes to like society kind of sucks and mm-hmm. this is how society sucks mother's the same way about her um disabled son being just arrested for murder off the bat and her trying to prove it otherwise but then like the sacrifices she does on the way uh the host again very much the same kind of thing we're like we we the u.s create a monster in korea and then we try to hide it as a disease Mm -hmm. like it's it's very much that kind of stuff so i recommend those they should they think they're all still streaming at least hulu had a lot of them and netflix has okja and snowpiercer so i saw i saw mother in theaters and Man, what a film. <laughs> yeah. Um, I watched Key Largo. It's very fun noir uh, with Humphrey oh, Bogart. Oh, God. Um, Love that movie. 
I watched There Will Be Blood. It's a very long movie. It's not even that long. It's like two hours and 40 minutes. It's not that long, but it's, it is, it feels long because it's very slow. Um, but it's very well done. It's very, <laughs> my dad like caught the end of it and he's like, mm. so the point of this was he got rich and <laughs> lost everything. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, man, that's a fun movie, I guess. I'm like, no, it's not, but I get it. <laughs> Yeah, Dad, and Rosebud is just the sled. Um, um, I watched uh, Night Moves with uh, uh, Gene Hackman. God, Gene I'm jealous of the movies you watched. Well, you've seen a lot of these. I I have, but they're good. <laughs> um, um, like, well, for instance, like There Will Be Blood. Like that, you're right. That movie is a very long movie, but that's also in the camp with like. I would say Lawrence of Arabia and yeah, um, like it's 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 an epic in the sense of one man's drive and where it leads him. Well, I wasn't gonna say that, but like Lawrence of Arabia and like Gone with the Wind are considered to be very long movies, but they like it does not feel long to me. Yeah, it 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 still moves pretty quick. Yeah, but there's 100%. a lot of a lot of space. So if you don't like movies that are like about reflecting, like it feels long. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the Ruby well a lot just because it's it's a very obvious message about drive like that's all it is like he never stops because he knows that one day he'll make it but then when he makes it it's like what was the point Mm -hmm. um and 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 night moves was i thought night moves was okay um i think out of the nowhere i've been watching i think the long goodbye is a better noir um sure i'm right now reading the long goodbye though i understand why people are saying like the book was better but also they're like two different eras so yeah um and then so uh criterion just dropped like a hundred movies about new york in one collection <laughs> yeah so i'm like okay i'm gonna skip the silent movies for now because i don't have the patience um sure and so i'm gonna just start watching the ones with uh the, with the voices <laughs> mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i watched the i watched the clock and that had um julie garland as the one the lead actress in it it's a very nice cute movie um uh, also of its time because like they meet each other one day and they get married um right then I watched The Naked City, which is a pretty fun detective movie. God, what a good with movie. like an old detective. Like you don't usually get a detective movie with an old detective in it. And if I remember correctly, that movie's not in French, right? No, it's not. Uh, but he's a very Irish detective. Okay, so well, Jules Dassin was he did a lot of French films, mm-hmm. and I think he ended up being exiled from france for... yeah i think they i think it might have said this was his first non-french film yeah like he did uh when you were in your heist movie phase i wanted to i wanted you to watch uh rafifi yeah because that is one of the modern i mean that is the template for modern heist movies it seemed like um but yeah the naked city is very good and then i watched the garment jungle which i think is my favorite out of all of these so far okay which the basic premise of it is is like it's a it's a garment factory people are trying to unionize and the mob's like i don't want you to unionize so people start dying and it's about like trying to get it to happen uh it was a a lot of fun um and then i saw shang chi or shang chi in uh in theaters Mm -hmm. and that was just a fun marvel movie uh i still am uncomfortable in the theaters but i take precautions as best as i can um And then lastly, my 100th movie of the year is Manhunter, which is a Michael Mann movie, which is is based off the book Red Dragon, but comes before the movie Red Dragon. Yes. So, and, I, and from what I understand, from what I've seen of Red Dragon, the movie, this is a better version of that movie. <laughs> um, yes. It, it's very much a, a movie about style and substance um, and about characters and about story. Like it melds all of it very well. There's not any like empty space other than mm-hmm. the rooms the rooms are very empty and big and it just has people standing in the middle of a lot of big rooms yes um which leads speaking of michael man which leads us to i think our next movie which i know you talked about we were talking about horror movies that will mm-hmm. be uh, the one that we picked for horror because this comes out end of this month so we have to do one horror movie in october in this month i mean september well would you want to try and do the horror movie next or well i was gonna say the horror movie was next i thought we talked about doing thief next yes but you all but i i thought we did want to uh we did want to try it i i the way i the way i the way the conversation rang yeah. in my head is we wanted to do horror stuff in october 
you could um, but if you fit want two horror movies in October, but honestly, as long as we hit one, I'm okay. And so okay. we can have the descent be the last one of October. Okay. And I, I just want to talk about. It. I want to watch Thief and talk about it because it looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, I and and like I was about to watch Thief. Yeah. So let's. So next. So next. <laughs> next episode, we uh, do a quick uh, search of this IMDb real fast. Uh, it is a stars James Caan. Yes. directed by Michael Mann. I think it's one of Michael. I think it's one of Michael. I think Mann's, it's his, like first movie. It's one of his first ones. It's probably his first like major. Yeah, it stars James Con. Uh, Jim Belushi's in it. It's on Criterion. I think HBO Max at the same okay. time. I know it's on Criterion right now. Yes. Um, yeah. No. That's just, that's just, it's it's his. Yeah. It's his. It's his. Wait. Hold on. Hold on. Um, hold on. Be, we're che- we're checking the facts. It's his first theatrical movie. So okay. he did two documentary shorts, a TV movie, and a short okay. before Thief. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about Thief next time. Yeah. Um, Matthew, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me anywhere I want to be at infinite underscore rewind. Uh, predominantly Twitter and Instagram. I know on Discord, there's a hash with some numbers after it, but I don't memorize those numbers. Uh, if you want to find me, I, I will say this. Go into the Uppercut Discord because I'm in there quite a bit. It's a good time. It's a great time. Um, and Jesse. You can find me everywhere at Sleep Over the Bed. Uh, my other podcast is White Comics Pod. You can find that on Twitter at White Comics Pod. Um, and Ooh, Matthew, what's your other podcast? About, yeah, I was gonna say I should probably talk about the other ones <laughs> before before the co-hosts of those get mad at me. Um, I do a podcast uh, about trying to make folks feel better through eight song playlists with our friend Caroline. It is called Trivial Merit. You can find it on Twitter at Trivial Merit. Uh, and then I do a podcast with three other friends uh moose michaela and jason where we talk about video games we play uh we try and cover news for a long time we tried to be uh we tried to be on the cusp but i stopped having fun doing that so i just started playing and and then i think everybody else kind of followed suit uh but it's a good time it's usually about an hour and a half uh, trivial merits usually about an hour, and uh, yeah, last episode was a lot of fun. Yes, the last at the time of recording, was... this last episode was the rap episode. It was a lot. Of fun. Yeah, it was the hip hop episode. We had so much fun doing that. I loved how I loved how different our lists were, and uh, and frankly, go look at go look for that one on Twitter just because Caroline's list is flawless. And uh, actually, and Jesse, yes, your list real great too. Thanks. Um, and you can find this podcast on Twitter at Free Reeling It. Um, you can find us also on email at uh, Free Reeling It at gmail.com. I believe those are both correct. It's yes. The hardest to First remember. time. First time, 10 episodes. Made 10 episodes. Um, Matthew, where, who made our music for the show? Uh, my friend Jason, he goes by Deadeye. That's all capital letters D E A D dash the letter I. You can find him at Deadeye Productions on Instagram. Um, you can find work he's been a part of on Spotify. Uh, he was a part of uh, a group or a duo called the Hope Street Steppers. They released an album in 2013 called Black Lightning. He has not released anything to this point uh, on Bandcamp or any place like that yet, but he is working on it. And he's also in school. So he's busy. Be patient, but enjoy our theme song because it's really good. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, So thank you guys for listening and remember to check your teeth for popcorn kernels.